Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? Hey there, and welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, a podcast where we attempt to pair the finest in cocktails with the finest in comic books. This week we return to our discussion on the classic graphic novel, The Killing Joke. If you like what you hear, you can find us at funnybooksandfirewater.com. Find us on Facebook. You can like us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can stalk us in general, really. If you don't like it, keep your damn mouth shut. So, we're just going to sit back and start talking again to our good friend, Adam. I'm Adam McDonald. I am the film critic and promotions editor for BigShinyRobot.com, as well as the co-host of the movie review podcast, the Bored as Hell podcast. How do you want to be introduced? Do you want to be Q? Do you want to be Quentin? Do you want to be... Q is fine. And, of course, the infinitely famous Q. Well, so then here becomes the question. If everyone is one bad day away from becoming a supervillain, what would you do as a supervillain? What I do as a supervillain? Um, God, that's a good question. I think. See, my thing is, I've always been, I've always believed that life is not fair, but in the end, it does. Uh, the pendulum will swing towards justice, and I think there is a lot of injustice in the world that could be righted. Uh, however, I'd probably go about it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, you go out there and you, can, you know, and, and me as a person myself, like I'm. You know, not to get political, but with very few exceptions, I'm against the death penalty. But if I was a supervillain and I caught like a rapist, I go and just put a bullet in his head. You know, there's there are certain things that you know are such heinous crimes that you know they should be fought against and they should be treated very very harshly. Um, that being said, that's why we have a legal system. And so I would probably turn into you know again the same type of person as Batman, but with just the you know the judge jury executioner kind of. Uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which mm-hmm. is like again, one of my favorite Batman movies of all time. I would be like the Phantasm. That's that's who I would be. So, I mean, based on what you're saying, if you were one bad day away from a life-changing thing, you'd be more Batman than you would be uh, the Joker then at that point in time. I would say so. I mean, again, who knows what, I mean, how you know how your mind would break and just twist you. Uh, but for me, like the one bad day would be like, yeah, if someone were like kidnap and torture and kill my family or something like that and that's and you could be damn sure like i would become this horrible vigilante who go out there and find every single one of them uh and then basically make the scenes from saw look like a children's playground i mean i've got a i've got a very overactive imagination so i am afraid of the things i could possibly come up with if i put my mind to it um so yeah there it would i would definitely go more the batman route but evil batman (laughs) i on the flip side, I feel like, because I've definitely sadly put a lot of thought of this as I'm walking into work a few mornings every every so often. I feel <laughs> I like don't if blame I were, you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I feel like if I were to become a supervillain, I feel like I'd be more like Gru from the Minions and uh, from uh, uh, that. Like, I feel like I would invent evil devices to be able to just circumvent the horrors of everyday life. Like, I would be able to have like a gun that would just blow cars of bad drivers off the road like that's just what i really want is just you know not have to deal with the terrible drivers on the five freeway in southern california like that would be amazing to me <laughs> um actually there's uh i don't know if you're familiar with it there's a, a cool uh, comic series or a trade called nemesis by mark millar the guy who did uh-huh. kick and it's basically the story of what would have happened in the, in the character's different name but you had a bruce wayne type character who became a bad guy and he was basically an evil Batman. So if you haven't read it, check it out. We, I'm sure we can okay. discuss it down the road, but it's really fun to see 
you know, again, if, if that bad day had taken him somewhere else. So that's, that's a uh, probably kind of, of course he's a billionaire and I'm not, I mean, I'm a hundred air, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that was, that's kind of where I would go with it. Cause like I've, I have a very strong sense of justice. Um, and that's just something that's kind of, I've grown up with. It's been part of me. Um, and I would just, I go out there be more like a judge dread, maybe. <laughs> Well, it's weird because, like, I come from a family where my father's an attorney, my brother-in-law's an attorney. I come from a very, very law and abiding kind of family. And I feel like if I was one bad day away, I would totally go villain. Like, I would totally be like, you know what? It's all meaningless. I'm just going for it. And it's going to be whatever it's going to be. And I'm going to make... But in a, so, in a sense, and I think I feel like I can identify with Joker in the standpoint, I feel like what I would do, I would feel like was justified. You know, if I was blowing up the cars of people who were terrible drivers or, you know, people who unjustifiably parked in handicapped spots and blew up their cars, I would feel justified <laughs> in that, you know, but I could see where from a flip side, I would be viewed as a villain. And so I think that is one of the interesting things that uh, makes up the dynamic between the Batman and the Joker uh, is the fact that, you know, both of them probably, and that's what really makes a great villain, to be honest with you, is that both of them view themselves as completely right. Mm-hmm. And it is easy to view Batman as the villain. If you really, I mean, it doesn't take much to put yourself in the headspace of the Joker and say, that guy's crazy. He's dressed up like a bat. He's coming after me. I'm, you know, just doing whatever I do. You know what I mean? Like, I am, the world's not important enough for me, for what I do to be that worrisome. You know, and and, and mm-hmm. so you can almost see, like, that is one of the good things about this book, is you kind of see both sides of it, is to finally get a, a chance to look at the Joker that way. Yeah, and, and they've dealt with that in the past, is like, you know, how many you know, lunatics and supervillains in Gotham are only there or were only created because of Batman. I mean, how much is he to blame for what is taking place in the city and everything going wrong? And I can't remember if it was a comic or they dealt with in that movie, but it's kind of like if you put, you know, if you got the scale of justice and you put, you know, Batman and the supervillains he's created or he's responsible for on the other side, I mean, what balances out? I mean, does good triumph or is he doing more harm than good? If you were to have one bad day and, and you know, worst things that could happen do, which direction do you think you would go and what what would you do? I mean, I don't know. I've had some pretty terrible things happen to me in my life. I mean, not anything as traumatic as someone dying, you know, knock on wood. Uh-huh. Um, but, but, you know, I've, I've not had the most sunny, bright, happy. But, I mean... I mean, knowing myself, I probably would, like, I wouldn't say, but I would definitely turn into, like, a bitter person who probably just wouldn't even, like, leave the house. Like, to be honest, I'd probably just turn into, like, a recluse kind of person. I mean, if it happened to give me superpowers, I don't know Uh whatever that bad day is. Um, so, uh, so, so take the question into the comic book world. If you're a comic book character mm-hmm. with your personality, me as a comic so, book character. Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I, pro- I probably would become a villain. Like to be honest, <laughs> I probably would be. I mean, I would probably just be. I would probably be like. I would probably be like a good 1960s Batman TV show villain where like I'm just so ridiculous I'm campy but more than likely just harmless or like okay. a flash villain of like the rogues where, you, where you're just kind of like yeah you're doing some bad stuff but don't do it again 
Kind yeah, of shame on you, shame on you. We're, we'll put you in a hospital that you can escape from very easily so you can be in an episode in yeah, the exactly. future. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be a, one, one of those type of folks. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd become, you know, like a Joker or a Two-Face or like I'm actually like killing people. So what would your what would your villainous things do? So the Joker plans to try to drive Commissioner Gordon insane. What would you end up trying to do? Um, I mean, I would pro. I mean, I would probably do something like try to make everyone super fabulous, but like you know, not everyone wants to be super fabulous. You know, like something like really, like really ridiculous. But like, so you would not- like throw out for the straight guy the entire world. Pretty much, like I would probably do something of like that nature, where it's like, um, we don't really want this. Like, could you please stop? And I'm like, no, you have to. <laughs> Everyone needs to do this. You're all getting manicures, and you're all gonna wear heels, and you're I'm corseting everyone. Probably something. So everyone's gonna be corsets and cranky, and then they're gonna hate each other. And... Yes, and it will be marvelous. But everyone will look good. <laughs> So basically, it would be um, Mean pro- Girls all over the entire world. <clears throat> probably. I mean, probably. Yeah, I, I mean, that's I probably what I would pro- I would probably wear all pink. It's a lot of fun to do. Back on Wednesdays, because, you know, you only wear pink on Wednesdays. And mm-hmm. my, I would probably just be like Mean Girl. Like, that'd probably be like my... my You'd be the Supreme uh, Leader Mean Girl, girl of the entire world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You go, Glenn Coco. Not, you go. I'm. I'm not. That's now. I'm now creating that character. No one else <laughs> trademarked that. My character will be mean, mean girl. <laughs> Coming to a comic book shop I mean, near I'm, you soon. I mean, I. I, I don't know. There's. A, um. I was just actually. Again, I'm flipping through this as we're talking, and it, it's, it's really. Great. I, I don't know what page number it is because again, this is. Oh, it's page. Uh, if, if you're on the. If you've got the e-comic, it's page 44. It's when they're fighting in the House of Mirrors. And that's when the Joker fully reveals that, hey, this is just all for fun and games. Um, and he's like, it's all a joke. Everything anybody ever valued or struggled for, it's all a monstrous, demented gag. So why can't you see the funny side? Why aren't you laughing? And he can't, it's, again, the, it's again Alan Moore. And he's always been crazy, but this is before he let wizards move into his beard. He... Uh, <laughs> You know, he's always has a good way with words and just certain lines like, yeah, that's, this is a comic and this is just, you know, like you said, it's a funny book, you know, we're here for having fun and enjoy it. But just like the best literature and novels and everything else, it can sum up. I mean, this is pretty much, you know, in a sense, what's wrong with the world? It's like, everyone's so serious about everything. And, you know, why so serious? And everything is such a big, huge ordeal and this and that. And when it all comes down to it, we're all gonna die. This world's gonna eventually blow up. It's all just one big joke. And I think that, you know, if anything, you know, as much as a horrible bastard he is, he gets it. And that's been, I think we're almost af- afraid to identify with that because if we do, we would lose our minds. No, I agree. And I mean, it does make it interesting because you can almost from this book gather from the Joker's perspective, Batman looks like a lunatic, but he's fighting against uh, an unwinnable battle and just keeps going. And it's. I mean, essentially, he is a you know a rat on a conveyor belt. He's just gonna keep going and keep going and keep going. Whereas the Joker kind of does what he wants to do. He's actually almost more free uh, than Batman is, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting. I mean, I, 
I don't know if you can pull an allegory for, you know, I mean, you can get really philosophical and, you know, society versus, you know, whatever, where, you know, some people are free and some people are trying to keep people, other people in line and things like that. But like, it is, um, it is very telling as to people's belief systems in here. And it, it's interesting in this book that the Batman is uh, so, uh, he's so loosely placed into this book. Like he kind of just reads the end. And the thing I thought was interesting about this book, and maybe it was a little bit of a modern pessimist on, on me, but Batman's kind of a terrible detective in this book. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, yes, he is. <laughs> he's kind of awful. Like it, it's, it's kind of obvious to me that Alan Moore was, uh, was more interested in writing about the Joker than Batman because Batman stumbles around for, you know, a little montage of pages until the Joker literally tells him, this is where I'm going to be. Okay, I'm gonna he be. basically says, yeah, here's here's where I'm going to be. This is the time. Can I make a reservation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, okay, you have a dinner reservation to hang out and beat my ass. Here you go. Come on over and play. But there, there's also nothing for him to find out. Like, he's sent the stuff. Like, there's nothing for him to find out. Like, there's not any reason for him to solve all. Yeah, I mean, but there is a... He finds... I'm just saying, he finds out about Barbara, and then, like, the next moment, he gets the invitation from Joker, so it's like, well, you know, there is no real detective work needed. There's a little bit of a montage where they kind of imply that he's going around, you know, beating up people looking for information at the board. Yeah, but, but, uh, like, here, I mean, he is, but at the same time, because it's Joker... He has to know that Joker is going to want him to, like, be whatever he's doing. So he's going to, like, find it eventually. He literally could have just sat at his house and just waited. Yeah, he could have just waited for the invitation to show up. Yeah, like, he, you know, he just could have just waited. Like, obviously, he's not going to because he's Batman. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't say a shit detective. It's just like, well, you know, I'm just going to go beat some people up because I'm real pissed about something. But, you know, Joker hasn't told me his maniacal plan yet, so I'm just going well, to beat like up this old rustle up some hookers. I feel like if you are, uh, if you're Batman, and the Joker gets looser, and you know that the Joker has caused problems, like, because he, he knows, I mean, he's, uh, he knows that uh, Barbara Gordon was shot by the Joker, she says so himself, she says that she's taken him. I feel like the first thing you do is you look for an abandoned amusement park, you know what I mean? Like, Scooby-Doo would figure that shit out really quickly. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's obviously true, um, but it, it's, it, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of like, well, and then like when he takes the picture and he's like shoving in people's faces, it's like, as though these people don't know who the Joker is. Like, yeah, like there's a guy wandering around with white makeup on, on and they're like, oh, it's just some random yeah. mime who's out of work. Yeah, well, that like, would be, yeah. Now, I mean, now granted, the guy who sold him the amusement park obviously was an idiot, which is why he yeah. was killed in the first five minutes. Um, but yeah. Also, what I, my question really is, who the fuck is that guy in the beginning who's playing Joker in Arkham Asylum, and how do you get that shit gig? Yeah, right. I mean, he was probably some I, some random dude who was in there for you know. Petty Larson or something like that, and ended up Joker being like, "Hey, here's five bucks. Go, or, you mean, know, paint your face white." Or is it a shit gig, or is it the best gig ever? Because you know, no one's gonna fuck with you. Like you literally know that no one is going to fuck with you because no one wants the Joker to, you know, mess with them. I mean, well, yeah, the question becomes that like Batman on his own volition goes to talk to the Joker. 
There's nothing that says the Batman has to go talk to the Joker and look for him. So how long was the Joker gone? And how long was that kid sitting there? You know, or how much warning does the Joker have to know? Like, the Joker could yeah. have been just twiddling his thumbs and then finally got word, oh, Batman finally came looking for me. It's time to jump into a plot point here. Yeah. Yeah. What, and also, like, like, the other weird thing is, like, the whole idea of, like, themed henchmen is super ridiculous to me. Yeah, but it's the best um, part, though. Like, if you're going to have henchmen, you have to theme uh, them out. I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but at the, which is, I mean, this is probably, like, one of the last stories that kind of has that sort of trope, because, you know, after the, after this, it's pretty much just, like, ninjas, as we all know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's assassins, and it's guys. thugs, and it's, yeah, for it. Yeah. Um, the League of Assassins. Um, but, uh, like, like, what random fat lady? <laughs> Joker comes walking up. Hey, do you want to be in my crazy-ass circus of crime? And she's like, sure, I'm not doing nothing else. Just washing myself with this rag on a stick. Yeah, the page, right? Sure, you know, whatever. And then, like, the, the Siamese twins, like, you know, what are those girls doing with their lives? And I mean, obviously, they're not the singing sideshow. No. <laughs> I will never leave you. First of all, those girls should definitely look at their lives, look at those choices, and go do that show instead. <laughs> because that. Now, granted, is. Sidetrack everyone. Is. Because I never saw the original production. Is the whole, like, dance where the two girls are separated, is that in the original show or is that rewritten for the revival? I don't know, because I only saw the revival as well. I saw it when yeah, it was on Broadway. Because so, I'm just wondering whether or not the, the Siamese twins from The Killing Joke could actually do that, because if they could were real, can join twins, then they couldn't do that scene, because obviously they can't be separated. Well, but I mean, if you have the star power of the Siamese twins from The Killing Joke in your production of Sideshow, <laughs> you will figure out a way to make that scene work. Starring the Siamese twins from The Killing Joke. <laughs> starring the most diabolical uh, villains, henchwoman, uh, you know, in the musical spectacular. But, but also, like, none of them do anything except for the little people, like the little imps. Yeah. And they're just, and they're just there just to be weird, like. They're just there to be yeah. weird. They're there for anyone who has seen uh, the uh, the movie Freaks uh, to be like, oh, yeah. hey, they kind of uh, seem like they would fit into that a little bit. Yeah, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. It just seems it seems just so weird and so dumb. Because also he's just like, I found a skinny dude, fat lady, conjoined twins and also like the conjoined babies and like their mother is there too so it's like hi i'm the joker i kill people i'm trying to get batman a lady with a baby with two heads like you should come join my crew and you know who doesn't need a lady with a baby with two heads to be part of their crew i mean that is that's really when you're sitting there going you know what i want to be a super villain if only i could find a lady with a baby with two heads that's really what i need to make this all work out i mean yeah it's true it's true (laughs) Yeah, that keeps me those... from being a supervillain at this point in time. Is I just need a lady with two heads. I mean, obviously, I would have my henchwomen would all be you know mean girls. So, of course, I mean all in pink and all that kind of thing. Yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, of course. Like, like that. That's a good theme. Having sideshow, having the ensemble from sideshow as <laughs> your hench people. 
dude, you have like some jazz tap coming at you in a dark alley. You're gonna be scared shitless. That's what's gonna happen. Like that's gonna be some West Side Story like, shit coming down at you. But like the thing is, he doesn't. It's like not even like the scary kind of freaks. Like it's not like he, it's not like he went and got Killer Croc. Yeah. Or or like Man Bat or like some kind of werewolf person. No, he got the fat lady and the skinny dude. Like. <laughs> Whatever. Who do nothing. Who just sit there and do nothing. Yeah, and like, but that's like the other thing. Like, he doesn't even have to fight any of the hench people. So it's like, why did Joker even hire them? Like, aside from like the psychological weirdness that Commissioner Gordon would face of just like sitting there amongst like these like the the literal freak show. Like, there's not a reason for any of them to be there. And it's, once again, then it's not like Batman then went and arrested those guys too. They probably were all just like. Deuces! Batman's here. I'm out. Well, it's okay. And so the the he finds a abandoned theme park or amusement park. Okay, fine. Then if uh-huh. the part of, if the theme park or amusement park is already abandoned, then where were the freak shows working in the first place? How do you hire that? Do you go through a temp service and be like, "Hi, I'm the Joker, and I need you know sideshow <laughs> freaks," and like, well, no, "Oh so, yeah, so sure, we got a few here over here. This will be great." So when he w- when Joker is touring at the beginning, there's pictures of all of the freaks as well. So I'm sure that they used to work at that dilapidated amusement park. So he just went through their old HR files because obviously everyone keeps very detailed human resources records in their abandoned, very high-class uh, freak shows. Well, I mean, it could be, I mean, if, theoretically, that they were already just kind of squatting there anyway with nothing better to do. <laughs> and the Joker comes along and they're like, hey, look. There. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, fuck it, we're here. You know what I mean? Kill the Joker, whatever, we're here. You know, I mean... What, 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 once again, Fatley's like, I'm just here with this rag on a stick. Like, yeah. you know... I mean, it's, it's, it's either that or she's just waiting. Oh, well, I guess. Oh, no, because this was in 88. I'm like, she's waiting for a hairspray to come out and to be divine. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> now she was there with the thing on stick and be like, well, you know, I get a 401k out of it. You know what I mean? The hours are good. I don't have to commute a lot. I already live here. But, but also seeing as how Joker paid the owner by literally murdering him, I'd be yeah. like, mm, I'm going to check your references. I don't think I want to work for your company. Yeah. Hey, do you have a credit score for me? I mean, uh, I'm saying that you have uh, been spent some time in Arkham. Is that like a, what is that, a retreat? Yeah. Is that like a, you know, what's going on there? And more importantly, what's your dental plan? Yeah, oh no, I mean, yeah, those freaks really are concerned about the dental plan. You know, I especially mean, the little guys who are going after Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. You know, like that's really where they're big concern is. Ridiculous. Because <laughs> a lot of times in the the New 52 and the way that uh, DC has revitalized um, a lot of their, uh, their timelines over the years, this book has always kind of stayed in context. Like they've always sort of said, okay, Barbara Gordon is still Oracle, she's still paralyzed, or at least paralyzed for a few years. And uh, this book has kind of had staying power in the, the DC universe where you don't necessarily see a lot of comics that do. Um, a lot of parts of you know history get rewritten or changed, and this one is stuck around. And I'm wondering, do you have thoughts as to why that is? Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, this is, you know, the, the Joker always comes up as, as one of people's favorite villains. And like we've been talking about, this is when the Joker grew up. We, we finally got to see him for who he really is. Um, and when you when you add the pedigree of Alan Moore, who, like I said, even though he's crazy and his latest work he did on uh, Cross 100, I just hated. Um, yeah, he he, took the, he was just yeah, that's another story. Um, you know, there's 
when you add that in there and then you've got the art by Brian Bollins, who's mainly known for doing, uh, for doing covers. This is kind of one of his first big forays into doing, um, actual art for a story. <clears throat> it just clicks so perfectly and you just get, I don't know. It's, like, it's a story we've had of the Joker, where he came from. And I think that's always been something that's intrigued people. Um, and you end up with just such the extreme depravity of evil that you rarely see in a comic. Um, but it's also done so in a way that's tasteful. Like, there's no, like, you know, I mentioned Cross. I've read a lot of Cross, and it's one of the most horrific comic books out there. I mean, like, Eddie loves horror movies. He absolutely will eat up every single horror movie out there. He read The Trade, and it had nightmares for a week. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's ghastly. It's horrible. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, it's the, yeah. at least the initial ones, but it's very, very graphic. I mean, you're, they're full on like, you know, literally cutting people in half with a saw. There's rape scenes. And I think the killing joke manages to imply all those horrible things, but didn't actually stoop to the level of putting it down on a page. Yeah. It's almost a little more terrifying because it does it in a way that it, lets you consider the consequences and you know what's actually going on there it, 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 it it's like the old hitchcock stuff it's so much of it's in your mind that you know you actually as a reader have to fill in comprehend the yeah. yeah fill in the blanks and comprehend what's actually going on at that point in time of you know why the joker is doing what he's doing how what he actually is doing you know and the consequences thereof so yeah i mean that's i mean i don't know it's it's it's, it's really hard to say you know what which things have the same power, other ones don't. Um, that's my take on it. I think it just it finally gave us a good look and at these characters. I mean, they they again they've come of age now in the series, and we really finally got to see that. I think for the first time ever in the comics, like we said before, that Batman and the Joker are the same person. Well, and I'm, I'm interested to get your opinion on this because this just kind of occurred to me. As a film critic, do you see that perhaps? the history of the film franchise connected with the uh, comic book franchise may have had something to do with this origin story staying. Does, does the fact that Tim Burton used this as sort of the basis of his Joker's origin story, does that make it uh, Actually, have more staying power? Most, I, I, I would say so because, uh, you know, when that movie came out and, it, and to this day is still one of my favorite Batman movies, uh, it was the first time we got to see him on big screen. You had, you know, <clears throat> such a perfect cast. I mean, Jack Nicholson, you know, when they first said, you know, Heath Ledger's going to be the Joker, I was like, good luck following up Jack Nicholson because he was yeah. just fantastic. Because he nailed the, the psychotic, you know, the smile, the laugh. I mean, even with the prosthetics, he was so good. Yeah, I, I think one of my favorite scenes that we all remember is when he breaks in the art museum and just like draws, like does graffiti on the art because why not? It's funny. It's a joke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having the same origin story, I think, did cement it in pretty much all of America's psyche and will the world for the most part because i guarantee you right now anyone who if you go up to the average person who's you know seen the movies and you ask them hey what's the origin story for the joker they're not going to talk about dark knight you know they're not going to mention oh well my dad was a drinker and a fiend and this and that and you know they're going to say oh well he was in the chemical plant and then filmed the the chemicals went from there so i think that really seared the identity and the story of the joker in all of our minds um and yeah, it definitely stuck with us. And that's, and that could be why, like, you know, people go back and say like, you know, Hey, this is my Joker. This is the one I remember growing up with and remember learning about. Um, so this is the one that stays with me. Yeah. And I feel like I, I mean, I feel kind of lucky in the fact, like I, uh, I don't necessarily know if I identify with one Joker in particular. Like I've seen, I think most of the, um, 
depictions of the Joker that I've seen, personally, I feel like they all have their own aspects and they're all great. I think Mark Hamill in the animated and in the comic books is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, co- not comic books, I mean uh, the, 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 video added, games. Uh, the video games. Yes, like, I mean, the end of, what is it, the second Dark Knight uh, comic book or uh, Arkham Asylum game? Yeah, where he's just like the voicemail message where he's left and he's, you know, singing. It might be the first one, I don't remember which. I, it's amazing. And I think Jack Nicholson did his own great interpretation. And like, uh, I mean, Heath Ledger's was also amazing. Um, obviously, Oscar winning. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think it's a fascinating character. And I think, I mean, one of the few good things I think that Warner Brothers has done with their films has actually hired good jokers. They may not have done the best job casting other roles and or directors, but getting the Joker right and getting actors who can really dig into that seems to be well, and so I kind of do feel like Jared Leto will probably be fine. No. And, and again, that's, you know, everyone's freaked out, everyone went insane, um, you know, uh, because, like, oh, it's, he's doing this, he's got the teeth, I'm like, look, first of all, this character isn't real. <laughs> yeah. No, so, no. <laughs> you know, calm down, take a breath, relax, um, because... This person doesn't really exist. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's wait for the movie to come out, sit down, watch it, and at that point in time, then you're free to go out and be, yeah, this this sucked, this was horrible, or, you know what, he did an amazing job. So I'd say wait for that. The one thing I really um, am kind of interested in seeing what they do is uh, I kind of fell out of the TV show Gotham after the first season. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's actually gotten a lot better, but I did watch the episodes uh that uh, Cameron Monaghan, who uh, was, he's in the TV show Shameless, he was there as Jerome, a possible, you know, origin story for the Joker. I don't know if you've seen that episode he's in or not, but it is I've seen fantastic. the first one from the first season, where the red-headed Joker. Yeah. Yeah, that one is like, when he tells a story, and he just, he flips that switch from this innocent little scared kid to maniacal bastard, and like, he's, I'm a huge fan of the actor as well, like, he's fantastic and Shameless and everything else he's been in. Uh, but Gotham's doing some cool things with, you know, who the Joker is there too. So if you're a huge fan of that, also probably catch up on the new season because they've been diving into different people and possibly even a female Joker. So, Which I, you know, I think that would be amazing. Well, I actually, I really liked the first season of Gotham. Unfortunately, not for any fault of the show. I actually thought the show was fine. I got uh, a little too sidetracked by the rest of my life. And that was just what I'm going to keep track of. I know, I know. How I know. dare you, good sir? I know. I, I have other horrible villains that I have to deal with on a day to day basis uh, that freeze people <laughs> everywhere. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, I, I actually really did quite enjoy that show. And I, I, to be honest with you, when Gotham came around, we're total side note, but I'm totally okay with it. Um, I kind of was hoping a little bit more for uh, Gotham Central, which if you kind of want to discuss. Yeah, that's what I thought it was going to be, too. Yeah, which I actually like Gotham Central um, quite a bit. I thought it was kind of a it is kind of a brilliant thing for those of you who haven't read Gotham Central. um, And if you're really into Batman, uh, it is kind of a fun book. It's sort of the way I describe it to people is, is law and order in the world where Batman exists and Batman appears occasionally. Yeah. You know, so they're trying to find whoever or I mean, it's basically the 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 police trying to deal with whatever craziness is going on in Gotham City. And then Batman might show up with a hot tip or they he might show up on the roof and they say, hey, by the way, we can't arrest this guy, but you can go beat the crap out of him because you're Batman. Go have fun. <laughs> um, you know, like a little bit of that. But I mean, I, I'm not caught up by any stretch of the imagination. So if you're definitely hardcore in comic books, please don't hold this against me. But I've, heard, I've read the first couple of trade paperbacks, and uh, I've really quite enjoyed that book, actually, a lot. 
Yeah, it's one I haven't gotten into. I know uh, my roommate Jeremiah has, he's read all of them and stuff, and he's a fan. So I got a question for you. So let's, you know, skip into the end of the book. Okay. Um, a lot of discussion and controversy about those last couple panels where, you know, the, the Joker does tell his, his joke, um, and both he and Batman start, you know, just, you know, breaking the maniacal laughter, and suddenly it just cuts off, and that's the last panel. So the question is, that people have been arguing about was, did Batman at that point in time finally kill the Joker? Because again, this is, this could be because of like a one-off in an alternate universe as far as yeah. the origin story of the Joker. I mean, he's died in uh, Dark Knight uh, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, so again, there's, you know, this is, this is some funny books, they're not real. So does he kill the Joker? Um, in my personal opinion, I don't think he does, but, um, not necessarily revealing too much about what I do for a living because I don't want necessarily people to find what I do for a living. Um, I deal with a lot of scripts, and one of the things that uh, there's a book of uh, script uh, analysis that basically says that every beginning or every ending is a beginning of another story. Mm-hmm. And I think in this one, it's almost like a perfect kind of like, okay, there is a book or a screenplay or a stage play or something that leads right from that moment where they start. And there's always something that, you know, where something ends, something else can begin. And I don't think, I unfortunately, the same way I feel like Batman is on a treadmill, that he's always going to be fighting crime, there's always going to be someone there for him to stop, I don't think that the battle between him and the Joker will ever end. Uh, you know, there is, uh, I mean, really kind of has to be, because they are in a fictional universe. If they were in a reality, that might be a different story, but the fact that they are comic books and uh you know the joker is too, the joker is as important to batman as batman is to batman you know like mm-hmm. the, like he is the most important villain without him the batman really not to say that he's meaningless because he has other villains but he's not necessarily the interesting character uh that he would be like that is his his prime goal is the joker yeah and, and, and heroes yeah. are only defi- are only defined by their villains Yes, and the Joker is by far Batman's greatest villain, and so I can't imagine that Batman would kill him. I, in my mind, in that comic book in that universe, Batman arrests him or the police arrest him. He goes to Arkham, and then eventually he escapes, and the whole thing starts all over again. Because the other thing is, is that Batman, still in the comic book world, doesn't necessarily kill. Like that's something that he doesn't do. Um, you know, he uh, he does his best to. Uh, make sure that uh, he's abiding by the law as much as possible. And I think it's interesting in this book, actually kind of going back a few pages from that, where Commissioner Gordon says, I want this done by the book. Yeah. However, he lets a vigilante go after the main criminal. He wants it by the book, but he wants someone not officially of the police force to be able to handle the problems that he's currently having. Uh, So, like, I would have to ask my brother-in-law, who actually is an attorney. Uh, He's a a prosecuting attorney for uh, for Houston, Texas. Uh, I don't imagine a lot of the things that Batman does would actually get away in the court of law. I have a feeling that if Batman arrested you or got you, beat you up, I think your case would probably be thrown out if they could f- prove that there was police cooperation in that, you know, scenario. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think the end he does. Having a big huge signal on your roof or your police headquarters kind of proves that you're, you're part of it. <laughs> There are some definite faults in the uh, in the Gotham City Police Department that uh, no one seems to be uh, discussing. You know, they're uh, but uh, yeah, but no, I, I would say, I mean, in the last few pages, I don't think the Joker dies. I don't think Batman ultimately kills him. I think he gets arrested. What, what's your thoughts on that? I'm actually the same way you are. I, I was going to bring up just uh, what you mentioned about Commissioner Gordon saying, "Do this one by the book, bring him in." I mean, because if anyone in this whole story has a reason to want to kill the Joker, it is 
Commissioner Gordon for everything he did to his daughter. And again, it's the whole thing of, you know, we're one bad day away from being a hero or a villain. And that just proves the the metal and the everything that, you know, Gordon has that proves that he's a good man, despite his flaws, despite, you know, cheating on his wife and making bad decisions. He's still at his heart a good person. Um, so I don't think he kills him either, but you know, I've, I've seen lots of stories that go both ways. And it, again, it does end very, very ambiguously. I'm looking at, the, looking at the, the panels right now, just laugh, 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 and then just nothing and then rain. And, you know, it's, I, I have people who say, oh yeah, he totally kills him and here's why, because of the way it ends. And I can totally see that. I just, you know, Batman made a promise that he'd bring him in, do it the right way. And, you know, like we said, in the comics, at least he's, <clears throat> he doesn't kill and, <clears throat> excuse me. And there's even debate whether or not he did in, in the last movie he was in. Um, but yeah, I think that, again, it's 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 a battle for the ages that will go on until eventually one of them will die. And, you know, so it'll probably be something like something stupid, like they fall off a cliff. <laughs> something like Sherlock Holmes. Is yeah. Like, yeah, Sherlock Holmes, Moriarty type of thing. So. And that is an interesting question because it then becomes a question of like, uh, almost a police state question of like, if the police state becomes more aggressive does that mean that the criminals become more aggressive yeah you know and then if you get into like an overall sort of thing if the american government say cracks down more on international crime and on terrorism does that mean terrorism has to get more creative and more violent you know where does that mean because where does it stop is it an ever escalating thing or is there eventually like a limit where it levels off um i I think it just depends i mean if you know, well, you mentioned the war on terror, and you know, briefly, I'll, I'll touch on that because again, I don't want to be political. Uh, you know, after 9/11, we pretty much had the whole world on our side, and yeah. our government made some decisions that pissed it all away. Uh, yeah. You know, and again, there are those moments that take place where you have a, you have a decision to make to go down one path or the other, and you know, it. I think if we would have approached it differently as a country and worked on maybe building some some bridges with people who maybe were maybe not so much our enemies but were indifferent or really didn't care about us um but at that moment in time all of a sudden we're like oh holy crap we're gonna you to help our situation now would be a lot different and probably a lot better because i mean we're we're kind of known for creating our own enemies in this country but that's again that's a side note but how what would batman have to do to make him the villain of gotham city rather than the hero of gotham city um I think we kind of, uh, interestingly enough, coming out soon is uh, is Civil War, uh, the Marvel you know series, and they're doing. I think it's the route that's happening with that was like they're like, hey, like you know, the Avengers, you know, yes, you've saved lives and done things, but look what you've done. You've destroyed a city. You've done this, and in the comic, it's a mutant who blows itself up and kills hundreds of people. And I think that would have what would turn Batman into the villain in the DC universe at Gotham was if he was somehow lured into a situation or did something where his actions caused the death of hundreds of innocent people. And I think you could have, I think it'd actually be a really interesting story to have them tell is that, you know, like Batman most wanted or something like that, which I'm sure they've already done, but uh, his being responsible for the deaths of so many people. um, And then the ability just to kind of, even if he were to stop being Batman, would be just to go hide himself as Bruce Wayne and never have to face justice for his crimes. because again, I, I don't know if, if maybe he would turn himself in. Like if he was responsible for something horrible like that, uh, you know, maybe I'd be the time to pull off a cow and be like, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne. I deserve to, you know, be sentenced for this crime. Well, I mean, and unfortunately in this modern society, him being rich, he probably wouldn't be 
prosecuted for much of anything, really. Uh, yeah. On the flip side, do you think there's a circumstance where the Joker could become the hero of the story? No one knows what it means. Uh, no. <laughs> I, no. Um, you know, because in every single there, there's never been a good version of the joker i mean even in uh alternate universes like when the flashpoint universe was around um and you know actually bruce wayne was the one who died and thomas wayne became batman and martha became the joker so in every iteration in every single parallel universe or multiverse you ever had the joker has always been a bad guy um you know at least harvey you know two-face started out as a good guy so they started out as you know the white knight of gotham and became twisted and evil because of what happened to him uh but i just i don't see that happening i mean there's when you're that he already made his decision you know he he made his choice back in the day you know when he you know came up out of the water after the, the acid destroyed him to be the be the horrible person and i don't think that's a decision he could ever take back yeah that's true i mean i i sometimes wonder do you do you think that in, in any sort of reality, could the Joker exist and, and in what capacity? I mean, he may not be full villain there, but could there be... Because I guess the question I have, is too, is if you were have white skin, green hair, red lips, where do you hide? You know, uh, like, The corner of 21st and State Street. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Actually, let's go back to you. Do, you. do you think the Joker could ever become... Could ever be a force for good? I don't know if he could ever be the force for good, but I could see a scenario where his interests coincide with the better interests and he did the right thing. I don't think okay. as an overall, like, the Joker suddenly becomes a vigilante for good, but I can completely see a situation where um, it benefits him in some way that he would become a character that would you would actually root for and was doing the right thing. And so I could see him being... A benevolent character, theoretically, for a good you know 15 minutes of fame, until he, his better half or what he normally is you know gets the best of him and he kind of goes back to what he is. But like I could you know there might be a scenario where it benefits him for we'll say um, I, I'm trying to think of a good scenario, but I'm sure that there's a writer out there better than I am that I that could figure <laughs> out that like. You know, yeah, so the Joker is, I mean, I, you could, if you really want to get political about it, you could sit there and say, potentially in the modern political situation, that there is a character who is sitting there trying to point out, um, you know, the flaws in the system and runs for office. You could say the Joker could do that. You could sit there and say, you know, the Joker was, oh, sorry. you know, is, is pointing out how messed up the political system is and says, okay, I'm going to run for president and I'm going to say all the horrible things. That no one oh, wants to hear. Wait, don't we have someone like that right now? That's kind of what I'm saying. Like, you, <laughs> like I kind of have this. Unfortunately, I kind of have this deep dark hope that that is a scenario that's going on. That it's someone sitting there saying, "You know what? This is messed up." But I'm going to point out this messed up. And I'm going to do make a big <laughs> joke out of this so that people realize this is all messed up. And the unfortunate thing would be, and I could completely see this happening in reality because it is happening now. That someone that people say, "Oh no, he's right. I'm totally behind it." And my hope would be that, like, you know, you get to the end of it, and we'll, we'll keep it in comic book land, but we'll say the Joker is at the inauguration. He says, they say, hey, we're throwing you in as president, and he says, yeah, you know what? This is all a big gag. Y'all are idiots, and you need to look at yourself to see how fucked up you are, mm-hmm. because 
really, I've said some horrible shit, and you've all applauded at it, and the country is sick, and you need to look at that. I can completely see something like that happening. At that point in time, technically speaking, a character like the Joker would be the hero. I don't think that necessarily his crowd would appreciate what he has done, you know, at his followers, but he would be ultimately, on the, on the larger sense, a hero in that respect. Yeah, and I, I can see that. It's, you know, again, his whole thing is life is a joke. I'm trying to prove that to you. That's that's his only goal. That's that's the only reason why he does what he does is to get people to just realize the futility of everything going on around them. So yeah, I can I can see that at the end though. It's you know maybe I, I when you asked the question originally, maybe I misunderstood your sentiment behind it. I was thinking more if he ever be, switch and become a good guy, but yeah, I can see his doing something that would benefit people. Um, while at the same time still fulfilling his own needs. What I agree with you, I don't think that he would ever be become benevolent. I don't think that's a possibility in his character as he is. I think he's completely a... Uh, he, he's basically a, uh, a roving id, you know what I mean, in a psychological sense. He just does whatever the fuck he wants to do. Um, but I could see that, like, in a, in a, in a situation where the greater need also coincides with his own need, I could see a story where the Joker was a hero. Yeah. So yeah, I can I can see that too. Uh, and honestly, I would I would be fine to see that. I mean, there's they kind of went that route with the uh, the Injustice video game, uh, where it's an alternate universe where the people get thrown over there, and it's where you know Superman basically takes over the world because um, actually you know the Joker ends up killing his wife. So it's like he's a kind of the cause of all the problems, but also tries to help fix them. <laughs> uh, if you haven't played the Injustice game, by the way. Even if you just rent it and go through story mode, it's a lot of fun. It does some really, really cool, uh, um, just like you know, a really cool plot, really cool story. Um, and they've got a whole comic series on it too. So they, you know, you fi- of course you fix everything in the game, uh, but they they obviously ran with it with a whole series to of what happened in this alternate universe where Superman uh, basically rules the world with an iron fist. So also in the deluxe version, there is the random end story like so do you have the same yeah one? no i got that i got that yeah the the the, the end story with the uh, the guy that he's like the innocent man or whatever who's just yeah. trying to plot and kill that man for no reason other than the fact that he thinks that everyone should experience evil in their lives like that's yeah that's nice yeah it, it was weird well it's also i mean i think it has sort of my own, the only thing I kind of took from it is I felt like it might have been some sort of reference, like a Bernie Getz kind of thing, or like uh, um, I can't remember the name of the guy. You've done Assassins, but the guy who shot John Lennon, um, uh, like it kind of felt like something like that. Like it was just like, okay, you know, if Batman was a large historical actual figure, there's going to be some random dude who wants to go through and just randomly well, kill him. Oh, true, true. And because I mean, he does reference fact is, the fact just shooting John Lennon. Yeah, he does reference that, and like. I feel like if Batman were to actually die in reality, that would be how it would be. He would have some epic fight with somebody and then some fucking pissant would shoot him. Like, that's what's going to end up happening, you know? Or it would be a random straight bullet from a cop, you know what I mean? Like, it would have to be something completely bizarre and not associated with anything else. Yeah, anyway. The art is really pretty. The guy who drew drew it, Brian, what's his name, Brian Bolland? Uh Bolland. Is very good. It's very, it's very detailed without being like the weird modern detail that we have now. Yeah, the our, overly saturated, um, overly detailed. Yeah, stuff. it's still, it's still very comic booky, but 
Like, like there's a, there's only a few instances where the Joker looks super because you know, like J- Joker can look really extreme. Like uh-huh. he can, like he, like he can have really crazily, um, like exaggerated features. There's only like a couple of panels where he does like weird neck crooks and stuff. But for the most part, like he still looks like he's just this weird looking skinny guy. Like I kind of felt like this- in this, in this book, in the way the Joker's drawn, I feel like if I were to make a movie of that, I would cast Alan Cummings in it. Yes. Which. If you were going to do the sideshow freaks as well in it and make a musical of it, he would be perfect for that role. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, but yeah. Um, no, one mm, thing I did notice yeah. about this um, is that, and we uh, is that uh, Tim Burton has said that like this was sort of his favorite Batman comic and the only one he ever really loved. But he's also said that he had a hard time following comic before when he was younger. And the book is laid out in a very sort of strategic pattern. It's almost always what like, a, a panels in it mm-hmm. all in logical order like it's pretty easy to follow and read and so it is kind of i feel like a really good introductory comic for people who are new to comics as well like it's a good way of being like because like, people have a tendency to try to throw people into watchmen which is being like oh hey you just learned to read um why don't you read war and peace it sounds like a great <laughs> idea you know yeah I, I i never recommend watchmen for someone who's just starting in comic books i'm like yes they need to read it eventually but they need to start with some like even i think even killing joke is a little too like just starting to read comic books uh-huh. like I would once again I'm a big Marvel person like I would I would definitely gear them more towards something I mean I guess it depends on whether or not they're like a teen person but I'd be like go super mainstream first like get you like some Justice League like stuff that's not really I mean the way comic books are written now where like there's like the arc that then they trade paperback I think are, is a little bit more easier for um, for newer fans because number one, we all have short attention spans now. But like the arc, the arc has a beginning, middle, and end. Like in X Men, it's very hard. It would be very hard to start reading those comic books if you were in like the mid to late 80s because there were so many threads going on at the same time like every issue like sprawled across like, pretty much the globe and it was like all just like these little subplots all building up to something whereas like now it's like oh well here read this arc it still introduces you to the character at the beginning by the end like the kind of overarching thing is ended but there's just little subplots in between but like Killing Joke even though it's like a self-contained story and you know you don't really need to have a lot of background on the characters because they're so iconic it's batman it's joker it's commissioner gordon i still just think it's, it's just a little too dark okay um it's it, it especially with like the nudity uh, the well, and it's all implied nudity again. too. I mean, there's, I mean, uh, no, there's a straight up nipple in there. Is there? FYI. I missed that. Yes. I feel like I, I feel uh, outdone. I mean, where... it, it's it's not gratuitous. It's not like here's Barbara's titties, but it's like there's her breast and you can see them. <laughs> I want that to be a ringtone. Here's Barbara's titties. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, once again, as a Marvel fan and X Men especially, I would gear them more towards um, like one of one, like one of their one of their arcs. Like, 
starting with like X-Men number one from 1991 is kind of a good jumping off place for somebody. And yeah, but that, then it starts to get crazy. But like, it, it's like a good start for comics. You, you know, just getting kind of introduced to, to stuff. Whereas, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I'd like that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean no, to interrupt you. Uh, no, I have a tendency it's when okay, I'm introducing people to comics, uh, where uh, I feel like I ask people like what kind of movies they're into, and that's kind of how I, mm-hmm. I deem what they're what they might be interested in comics. Because like I kind of like more of the indie film and comedy type stuff, so I have a tendency to go more towards uh, Vertigo and Image and uh, and Dark Horse type stuff. And like I do read some mm-hmm. mainstream stuff, but not as much as a lot of other people. Um, and so I, I kind of feel like because most people go see movies or they see TV shows, they do that. And I also, I mean, I'm a huge trade paperback reader just because I kind of do like to have that arc, and I kind of like I, I have little patience for. Um, going through and trying to find, you know, each individual issue. Subplot. Yeah, and that would make me completely insane. So, like, and um, having them all just kind of there is, is I, I really like that. Like, another another good one would be, like, especially for Batman stories, would be something like Hush, mm-hmm. where you get all of the villains, you get a Superman, like, cameo, and you still get Batman history, you get Batman history then flipped on on the script, but you still get everyone and it's still, an, this is where the story starts, this is where the story ends, wrapped up in a nice bow, guest star, guest star, guest star, you get to see everybody. I think no, that I, would actually, be- I love Pasha. Um, I think that is a better introductory person to someone who is who's newer to comic books mm-hmm. than a killing joke is. Okay, I can see that, and I, I do love that book. I think it's uh, it is some of the most fun Batman storytelling I think there is out there, and it is a nice. And it's also Jim Lee, it. who who really is one of the best comic artists of all time. Now I have a question for you because I've run into this a little bit. Um, I found that a lot of people who read comics, a lot of them kind of side one way or another. What's more important to them? They're more either story driven or more art driven. Um, and so I had a roommate oh. who was very much art driven, and I was, you know, very much story driven. Like I can, I can read a book that has, is drawn with stick figures. If the story's good, I'm still in. Um, does that? I mean, mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Like, where do you fall into that category? Um, like, bad art can definitely be distracting for me, but it's not like top priority. I think. I guess I'm more of a middle-of-the-road person. Like, I would rather have them both be good. Once again, so my so my favorite book, grow, you know, growing up in comics was Excalibur. And it definitely had, like, the good marriage of um, writing and art because it was written by Chris Claremont when he was still good. And which I guess for some people is debatable by that by that point. And Alan Davis, who then eventually took over writing duties, and I'm a Alan Davis is probably my favorite comic book artist, um, followed very closely by Jim Lee, and his art just perfectly matched his like sort of like weird British quirkiness that the book had. Um, so I think like the for me the better is the marriage of the two, where like 
I, I was never a huge fan of, and this is, you know, everyone does this now, but I, even when he came out, like I was never a huge Rob Lee Field fan because I, I never really liked his art and his books were definitely more all about the style, all about the art, the big guns, the, you know, straps on people's and, you know, it was never super story driven. Um, and so like, so like I can see where someone would be like that, but at the same time, like if it's just all story, but like there's, um, there was a thing for a while about, um, excuse me, uh, noir. And so Marvel did like these noir books and some of them, like the art is just fucking terrible. It's like just dark to be dark and you can't see anything in any of them. So I didn't, I wasn't a really big fan of those. Cause even, even if the story was good, like I still can't see it. Like comics are still a visual medium. So I wrote, I, I, I need to have both. Okay. Like I'm not saying it needs to be like the most well-written story. It needs to be like the best art, but I need to have I need to have both. Okay, no, that totally makes sense. I get that. Because um, because uh, even in some even in some more modern artists where they try to be detailed, they get muffled with all of their detail. Like Chris Bocciolo, um when he first came out with um, Generation X, I was really into his kind of art. So once again, it was kind of quirky, it was kind of weird. But then he just got into like these super crazy details where then you just can't see anything. There's just so much stuff on the page that you just can't see it. Whereas George Lopez, who's, you know, another amazing artist, he is still super detailed, but you, his detail is so you can see everything. So things aren't muddled. You can literally still see the the stars on Wonder Woman's, um, you know, what, what do you call it? bathing suit bottom but she's you know really far away like that's that's anyway good yeah no you've mentioned I, I'm not um to... oh no sorry but you've mentioned um uh what is it uh i don't want to, i keep wanting to say camelot but that's not right um but the uh, uh excalibur red excalibur yeah excalibur. that's the thing yeah. I, I'm not familiar with that. What I mean, without spoiling, uh, what is what actually is that book about? So Excalibur was um, a long-running X-Men spinoff. So the premise pretty much was um, that there were the three X-Men who left. So during the mutant massacre, Kitty Pride and um, Nightcrawler were seriously injured, and then um, so they were taken off active roster. And then Rachel Summers ran away and was eventually captured by Mojo. Um, so they were sort of like these three floating characters off in the wayside. So then when the X-Men seemingly died during the fall of the mutants, um, Kitty and Kurt, um, they, I can't remember if they traveled to England to, to, to sort of like grieve or whatever, but they ran into Captain Britain and Megan, who were um, English superheroes. And then all of a sudden, Rachel came out of Mojo World, and then they all had to work together. And so then they formed a team. And it was, so it was, it was an X Men spinoff starring three very popular Claremont um, creations. Um, and, uh, well, I get. 
huge Claremont creation, but he wrote him for a very long time. Kitty Pride and Rachel Summers, he did create. Um, and and then um, Chris Claremont um, wrote Captain Britain for a while. And so he just kind of wanted to bring those things together. And because um, he had already introduced Psylocke um, after she, she was in the original English comic book with Captain Britain, because she's his twin sister. And so he already brought her to the States and made her an X-Man. So then he then switched those guys and moved them to England and they formed their own superhero group. Okay, so it's a British spin-off of uh, X-Men. X-Men. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was going to tell you about these, uh, the, the speakeasy that I went to last night. I actually went to two of them mm -hmm. to cover them, and then uh, uh, I might cut one out and move it to another day. But so we, um, I was, we attempted to go to one speakeasy. It didn't open on time, so we went to a different one, and it was a place called Good Times. It didn't in. open on time? No, it's okay. How so does a bar not open on time? Well, so it's it's a speakeasy, right? The first, we'll, we'll, we'll jump to that one first, then. We might as well. So it's a speakeasy, and, um, you know, like, like a lot of speakeasies, it doesn't really say much of anything on its website. Basically, it says, okay, uh, we're open from this hour to this hour. Um, and uh, so we wandered in at, uh, you know, they're supposed to open at, uh, I think, 7 o'clock. We wandered in 7 o'clock, and the lights the lights in the main bar weren't open, but the speakeasy, it's called Adults Only. It's up in L.A. It's on Sunset Strip. And it is supposedly it's set up like it's going to be, like, back in the porn section of a video store, right? So like, it's <laughs> in the strip mall, um, which is why it's Adults Only. So it's in the strip mall, and, like, it's kind of themed out like a video store so you're walking in and like they literally have video sets on and so we walked in there before they're turned on or before they were there some guys said we'll open a little bit later we went to like and like there's a burger king right next to it where we're hanging out the burger king and a bunch of guys just as power rangers came in to get um uh stuff at burger king because it was you know fucking hollywood and it was weird as hell mm -hmm. so we go try to go back over to the bar and they've now locked the doors and uh we can't get in so we're like okay well fuck it we'll go to this other place and so the second place we went to um uh i'll cover that in a second so eventually that place sucked uh spoiler alert um so uh <laughs> so we spoiler alert. Up, the second place was terrible yeah I'll, well i'll get into it we'll just go for it uh so the second place is like a good time at davy wayne's or whatever and you know someone said oh yeah there's this bar let's just drop that um there's this bar it's like in the garage and you go through the refrigerator and that was sort of like the theme of it so like okay that sounds okay. really cool so we found the address of it and we drive up, and there's a bouncer at the door, which automatically gives away that it's a, a speakeasy, like, who's checking IDs, and that's fine. It's, like, it's Hollywood on a Sunday night at, like, 7, 7.30, right? So a bouncer out on the door, it's obviously a bar. And so the, the garage capability, like, looking like a garage is kind of, I think, disappeared over time. Guy checks your ID, you walk in there, and you open up the refrigerator, and you go through. So, like, it's kind of the, the speakeasy kind of vibe is a little bit ruined that way. Also, there is a band that is loud as fuck, like, playing. Like, just super, super loud. So we go to this place, and it is, like, a tribute to 70s and, like, the epicenter of hipsters in Hollywood. Like, if you were to drop a bomb in that place, there'd be no more douchebags worldwide, because, like, every hipster in the world <laughs> was there. Um, and so it was loud, and, like, so you go upstairs, there's, like, a and playing and it kind of looks like a rec room kind of thing and there's one bar further to the back and then if you go outside there's like this outdoor deck patio and they have what is essentially like a camper trailer and you know in the camper trailer and it was a weird theme of the night every bar we went to had like playboys like smell on the wall so it was like there's this guy in this camper trailer with like you know titties and, and beaver hanging up on the wall and then he makes the drinks drinks were kind of like okay and so it was, it was ghetto enough, and I'm sure in, the, in a hipster way they probably love that shit, 
that their uh, their menu had like three items with a white electrical tape over it, basically saying that these items are not available. So they only had two items available there, uh, regular cocktails. And so we ordered, I ordered, uh, obviously I had to order the Princess Leia, because you see that and you have to order the Princess Leia, um, which was okay. Like it was not anything to write home about and it was not anything above the quality you were gonna get at like a, a uh, Red Robin, you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of like, a, oh, okay, it's, it was a cocktail. Like it kind of just sucked. Um, but it was like loud, and there's a bunch of hipsters just talking around. Like, and everyone was so fucking cool that they had their heads up so far up their own asses. Like it was just ridiculous. So we kind of the band stopped playing. We tried to get our card back. That took forever to get through. Uh, the one thing they did have, which I kind of wanted to try, but we didn't. And I, but it, the bar was not intriguing enough for me to want to go back. Was uh, they had alcoholic snow cones. But like it was a lot of like drunk bitches. Girl, doing... get your get yourself a snow cone maker, pour some booze on that, and have yourself a good time. And, and that may be what I have to do. It will probably be a better experience than going up there. Like and like theming wise, the bar was really cool. Like it was awesome. And one of those places where like if you had more money to do with and you wanted to throw a private party, it would be an awesome space. Um, but like being there on a Sunday with every fucking hipster in Hollywood, and it was a Sunday at seven, and it was super fucking crowded. I cannot imagine what that place is like when it's fully packed, because uh, it was already crowded, already loud, and it was just annoying. And one of those things where it's like, I am too old for this shit, and I'm not that old, but I was too old for that shit. Um, <laughs> so, so we left that bar, and uh, and we went to uh, we went back to we were going back to uh, my friend was in town, driving back to the hotel. And uh, we were like, oh, you know, we'll just drive by and see if adults only is open. Um, so they were finally open. And so like, it was actually full lights on or whatever. So you walk into this bar, and it's this tiny little, like, it's almost a little bit wider the hallway. And on one wall, it has, like, literally video cassettes, and it has a couple of TVs with, like, I think one of them had, like, the Matrix special features running on it. And one of them was, I don't know what it was, like, these little old school TVs. And they had video cassettes in it. Like, we pulled up the video cassettes to look at them and there really were video cassettes in it. And so you go back and there's like like this curtain where the porn would be and it says adults only on it. And it opens up and it's like, it's a big, good looking bar. Like it looks like it came out of the 20s. Um, they're really pretty new. They officially opened in, uh, well they opened in November, officially opened in January is when they did their actual real opening. Uh, decent drinks. Uh, not the greatest I've had because I'm a snob a little bit when it comes to cocktails, but they were good. I mean, it, the was kind of fun, and they have a big video, like big, uh, big screen inside the bar. So you're sitting there having pretty decent cocktails, and you get to watch. Uh, while we were there, they were showing uh, Escape from LA, which it's not Escape from New York, but it was okay. <laughs> we're watching, you know, some random shit on that, which I forgot Steve Buscemi was in that movie, which was bizarre. And I'm going like, holy shit, Steve Buscemi. Uh, and then they put on The Crow. Uh, and uh, it, it ruined it a little bit when uh, the like the bar back is using the remote control to control the Netflix um, remote to uh, to change with videos, <laughs> which was sort of a weird commentary. You're like, hey, look, there's a video store. Why did video stores go away? Oh, because of fucking Netflix, which is exactly what they're using to show movies on the big screen. <laughs> so there is a weird sort of evolutionary thing. The only kind of beef I had about that bar, and it is a total hoity-toity like cocktail nerd thing is it felt like that bar was becoming a speakeasy because they wanted to jump on the speakeasy trend, not because they were that concerned about the high-end cocktails that the speakeasy scene is typically about, um, which is a nerdy, nitpicky thing, but it was a fun kind of place to go hang out. So, mm. sort of recommended if you're in Hollywood. I personally, I thought Baby Wings was cool to look at, but I wouldn't hang out there, but that's just me. Mm. You're so cool. 
I am not at all. I am too much of an old man, and when I go to places like Davy Wayne, I remember how much of an old man I am. So you're so cool. I mean, I just go to my <laughs> local bar and drink. So there's that. Cool. Well, uh, I think we've we've torn this apart. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. What do you? So if you were, you know, let's let's put our critics hat on, and if we're gonna sit here and be, you know, it could, you know, if you had to give us a score, like out of you know five stars, you know, what what would be your score on this book? I mean, I would say it was a four and a half. I mean, there are very minor errors in it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some like I weird little like nitpicky things of. Uh, I feel like Batman's a terrible detective in it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's a. I mean, and unfortunately, it's a short enough book that that becomes a glaring issue. I think in a longer book that wouldn't make necessarily a big issue out of it. Um, but I, I also think it's probably an amazing introductory to comic books. If you haven't read comics or trade paperbacks. This is a great jumping off point because it's a very easy read. Um, I had a roommate um, who was, it was kind of a great situation we had because I'm very much into writers. Like I want the story to be great. I can have really crap um, art, but like, I mean, it can be stick drawings, but if the, the story is good, I'm totally in. And he was very much an art kind of person, but the art in this book is pretty solid. The writing is obviously great. Um, so, I mean, I, I think a solid four and a half, I think, would be great. What do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm actually right there with you. Uh, the, the the biggest glaring problem I have is the same you did, is that, you know, Batman is the world's greatest detective, and he literally has to be slapped on the head and be like, go over here, come on. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like in Man of Steel where, the, you know, in that movie, it was Superman's first day on the job. I mean, this wasn't Batman's first year as Batman. He already had put the Joker behind bars at least once. They, yeah. That's the first scene of the, of the book is his going there to visit him. Um, so I think that it didn't really play that well off Batman's character. Uh, but everything else is just, you know, so perfect, so wonderful. Uh, much like you, I'm very much a story-driven person. So if the plot's good and the dialogue's great, I can overlook bad art. Uh, but the art's great in here, too. So... Uh, yeah, four and a half out of five. Uh, definitely, if you haven't picked it up, it, it's worth getting. I mean, you can go to your local comic shop. I think it's like 15 bucks uh, for the basic version, yeah. even 10 bucks for the paperback. Uh, it's, it's not expensive at all. It's a great primer for comics. Like, like you were saying, if, you, you know, if you've never got into it um, or you're just getting back in after a long period of time, it's a perfect jumping off point because then from there, then there's so many more things you can branch out on. You can go more with Batman. You can go to like Death in a Family, uh, Death of a family I have problems with, but it's still a good Joker story. Uh, there's just so many wonderful places you can go with that and have fun. But yeah, and I, I mean, uh, it is a very easily accessible book. Did you have in your digital copy um, the like little prologue that was drawn within the last couple of years that uh, uh, Brian Boland um, sort of added in after the fact, which... Going back to the, the, the Bernie Getz thing, kind of has an interesting vibe about the guy who sort of they treat it like a, um, almost like a, uh, 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 one of those, like probably one of the 80s, like the guy who shot Reagan or to try to get uh, the uh, intention of Jodie Foster or even uh, mm-hmm. a uh, Kennedy assassination. It's like, okay, guy, because po- like, a whole comic, a little extra comic piece is about, you know, a... Uh, a guy who posts a video or has a video who says, you know, I'm going to kill Batman. And it is an interesting thought as to what the death would be of Batman of like, you know, it would be completely something random from the side, you know, I mean, completely unrelated. And I think that is actually accurate. But I was curious as to if that was in your digital edition of the book that you had. Um, they've got a, uh, at the very beginning, they've got an inter- interview with, uh, I think it's Tim Sale. Okay. They've got that. And then let me click to the end here because I do have 
an interview at the end. I think it's with Boland. Let's see here. Yeah, because like in mine, it has a, a thing with yes. Boland that says, if I have to do more pages, then I'd have to expand it into actual art. And then it goes into this little sort of short one like piece of, I think it's Batman getting the Joker or the Penguin and then randomly gets shot by this sort of smarmy character who I think identifies himself as something, somebody similar to uh, the guy who shot, uh, I think it's uh, Lennon, John Lennon they associated with. Yeah. So, you know, it's got all that. This is the, the, this is the deluxe version. So it's got all the cool stuff. It's okay. got interview with Brian Bond where actually he's like, um, oh, so let me tell you what really happened to the end. Who, if he killed him and then it cuts to black. And so, yeah, it does have all that. So, um, whether the digital version or the, the other one, you're going to get all the goodies. So, yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think it is a it is a great book and is a very jumping off great jumping off point if you're new to comics uh, or returning, as you said. Uh, it is a good spot if you haven't read it. It is uh, I think it is a fantastic piece of uh, art as well as a storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of this, do you have any uh, recommendations of stuff you think people? I do. Want I've to got some um, really quick for this week. Uh, it's a uh, comic called Grizzly Shark. It's by Ryan Ollie. He is a uh, local guy up here, which does a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, it's really funny, really well written. The story is basically, it's Jaws, but in a forest with rednecks. <laughs> it oh, sounds weird, really but this the sharks keep on showing up and just eating people, and it's 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 bloody, but it's like cartoony bloody, kind of Mortal Kombat style. But the art's really funny. Uh, it's a great funny story, and they're already promising that you're gonna have like you know the revenge of Grizzly Shark and the return of Grizzly Shark, and this time in 3D. So uh, that's really cool. And then uh, Star Wars not, uh, comics, they just launched the Poe Dameron. Um, oh, right. Prequel to uh, the to episode seven, uh, and it's excellent as well. It's basically his uh, try to find out where Lorsen Take is, so he can go there and get the map to Luke Skywalker. So those are two new ones this week. Uh, highly recommended. Get uh, your you know friendly local comic shop or you know or digital. If you're in Salt Lake, hit up uh, Doctor Volts. Uh, you go there, ask for uh, Jeremiah. He's there. He's our roommate who will hopefully be hopping on this podcast eventually. Um, or if Dave's there or Andrew, anyone else, they they all know a lot of stuff, and they're great people to talk to if you're again a newbie or just getting back in as far as what to pick up on. Um, obviously, we got Civil War in less than a month, so that's probably something that you should check out soon just to be up on that. But um, yeah, Grizzly Shark and then Poe Dameron. Yeah, and uh, uh, speaking of comic shops, if you're in Southern California, um, my personal favorite is uh, Comics Unlimited. It's over in Huntington Beach. Uh, it's right next to Bellaterra. If you know the Huntington Beach area, you know exactly where that is. It's right off the 405. Because uh, I'm talking like California and just spouting out uh, the names of random freeways. Which uh, is, I think I do, because again, I'm from Southern California, so <laughs> it's really weird to be like, well, you go up the I 15. The fuck is the I 15? It's the 15. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> no, so yeah, it's 405 and like, I think it's Beach Boulevard. It's just South Beach Boulevard. It's where the uh, target is, if you know that. Uh, but uh, and it's right next to Lazy Dog, which is also an amazing restaurant, actually, that I dig a lot. Um, I would say for me, um, it's a little dated. It's not necessarily update, and I will completely admit that I am not an up-to-date comic book reader. I tend to read trade paperbacks because in the same respect that I like to watch my entire TV series all in one shot, I have to right. read trade paperbacks. That's kind of what I end up doing. And that's kind of what this podcast is going to be based on, so I'm kind of okay with that. But um, I do currently love a book called uh, Fade Out, which is uh, by... Uh, why am I blanking on his name entirely? Um, oh, Ed uh, Rubenbeck. 
Brubaker, who uh, has written amazing stuff. He wrote the uh, what is basically the basis of uh, the Winter Soldier. But uh, Fade Out is a story of the uh, basically a, a writer during the Blacklist, um, and it's about Hollywood and scandals and things like that. And it's a great little sort of. Uh, story that way it's kind of very indie which unfortunately that's that's just what my taste is um and that's fine if you're into that kind of thing i think it's a great book it's a really well told story the art is great and solid it's a uh, and i'm i have no idea what his name is so i'm not even gonna pretend like i know who it is but it's a collaborator who works with ed brubaker uh, a lot he's worked with him on um, fatal and criminal um and um uh oh sean phillips Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yes, correct. Um, like I said, I'm more of a writer guy than an art guy, but their books together are always amazing. Um, and I'm a big fan, of, but his latest project has been uh, Fatal, which I think is uh, fantastic and I uh, highly recommend it. Um, as far as alcohol, because uh, I, uh, I discovered something new recently, um, if you are uh, interested in it, there is a, uh, a distillery called... Um, art in the uh, time of mechanical reproduction um, and a lot of times you'll see uh, art in the time as their label on it but they have a uh, they have a few different things but they have a thing called root which hmm. is an alcohol that tastes so much like root beer it is dangerous like you like it has no uh, like you can really get drunk really fast and not realize that you're drinking <laughs> um, but uh, I'm a big big fan of it right now recently we uh, discovered it I mean also uh, High West Distillery um, I made a visit to it last time I was in Utah um, I'll be in Utah uh, back in a little while and they are uh, pretty fantastic uh, but they do make some great stuff but Campfire by far I discussed at the beginning of this is one of my favorites right now um, uh, and like and uh, you know if you find a good bartender in a good bar I you know there are a lot of good people who can tell you a lot of good things uh, but uh, High West uh, Campfire has become one of my favorite things in the, the long run and uh, we can go into stories as to how I discovered whiskey in a future date, but uh, definitely highly recommend uh, both the High West Campfire and uh, uh, Art of uh, Art Art in the Time of Reproduction uh, is Root. So, nice. so you got anything then, else? Out um, of? Yeah, there's actually I haven't tried it yet because it just came out. Uh, the Sugar House Distillery, which is literally one street over from where I live, um, they make a really good vodka up here, and they just launched a bourbon. So oh. um, you'll have to, when you come visit, we'll have to go head down there. It's really cool. If you ever get a chance to um, go actually visit the distillery because they'll take you on a tour, show you everything. Uh, it's really, if you've never actually been to see how like alcohol and things are created and it's, it's really intriguing. You know, I was a biochemistry major in college. So this kind of stuff, just, I'm a huge science nerd too. Um, really fun to go see that. When I was in Puerto Rico uh, with uh, on a work vacation, actually, uh, we got to go tour the Bacardi factory. Uh, so that was really fun to see how everything was made, how they mixed stuff. Um, and while I was there, they actually let us go to the, the well, of course, let us go to the gift shop. But they've got a 16-year-aged uh, Bacardi. Uh, oh, wow. The Bacardi Reserve, I believe. Uh, and we cracked some open last weekend during uh, WrestleMania. Uh, they aged it in Jack Daniels barrels. So it's almost like a sweeter, very mellow uh, whiskey. So when you're up here, I'll let you try some too because I think – People who don't like rum, they generally tend, tend to like it as well. But uh, yeah, so, uh, Sugar House Distillery, they've got their new bourbon and uh, something definitely to try out. Cool. Yeah. Um, what are you reading now? Like, what recommendations do you have right now? I I'm so mad at every single comic line. Like, I actually don't read anything anymore. Um, I'm so upset with where comic books are right now, where it's all about the tie-ins to whatever movies are coming out and um 
just throwing away years and years of continuity just to get just to get that new reader like and i'm like well that's good to get new readers but just write better stories that they can still like jump on and get into because like i started reading comics at one of like the worst times which was the late 80s um early 90s when especially for me for x-men because like they were in this crazy turmoil there was all of these there's just so much stuff happening um but because I, I thought the characters looked cool on the Marvel trading cards, I decided to just go for it and then figure out everything that was going on. Like, I'm a person, when I first get interested in something, I have to know everything about it. I have to know where the you know where stuff came from, who these people are, what's going on. Um, so I, I, I immersed myself in, in all of that. Um, and, like, now... Like I think Kitty Pride like now lives in space and is married to Star Lord because Star Lord is like so cool because Chris Pratt played him in the movie and it's just like well uh, okay like what <laughs> whatever okay um like, okay so I, I'm I'm, I'm, uh, I'm over I'm over all of it now okay well, not really. um I, I mean I, I I still keep up with stuff but. And I, I haven't. I mean, I kind of feel lucky that I am uh, reading comic books in an age of Wikipedia, where you can go, "Who the fuck is that?" and go look it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. which is um, yeah, back, kind of amazing. Back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, you just had to keep reading more comic books, um, which is how they got gotcha. you. Yeah, the first one's free, uh, and then one of the becomes a that, problem after that. Yeah, one of the one of the things that saved me college is because that's when I like could fully like really get into comic books because um you know when i was in high school i i could only go to the comic book shop at when you know, once a week so i wasn't driving and you know, all that stuff um was there was a new website which is how i know all of my x-men nerdy friends called uncannyxmen.net and they had they have a huge extensive like wikipedia quotes them mm-hmm. like it's just a fan-made page um really awesome i'm giving them a plug because a lot of my friends still run that website it's very awesome so right for them um but yeah they have a whole like literally so tangerine who i dressed up for halloween last year she appeared in three comic books um she has like she has her own little profile thing because Mm -hmm. everyone has one it's kind of awesome but anyway x-men universe so if you're really not into x-men it's not really helpful for people, but I'm sure there's similar things. But you know, there's also just Wikipedia in general. Yeah, which is super handy. Uh, so I was going to tell you. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, but like most of the things that I'm interested in now are sort of like those Elseworld stories or like um, things because I, I, I just think they're like riskier because you can do whatever you want and then it doesn't matter because it's an alternate universe. Like I'm really into those just because I'm familiar with the characters enough that I don't need to like know every freaking detail, but like uh, kind of like a kingdom come kind of thing. Like anything that new that's coming out like that, I'm into. Okay. Cool. Um, I also have, I have made very, large and extensive collection although it's really not that impressive when like you really get into it because like some people are like really fucking crazy but 
Yeah, it's my bookshelf. I'm sure could be more and more packed than it actually is right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have a wife understanding unless we have a corner of uh, a large corner of uh, our second bedroom. Uh, so cool. Uh, so great. Yeah, we great recommendations. What are we going to be talking about next week? You know what? That's something we're going to have to discuss, but I think one of the things we need to, to bring up is uh, Civil War uh, from Marvel. With the movie coming up, it's probably something we should jump in. I think that would be one thing I would suggest uh, jumping into. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was in Civil War as well. And then um, depending how the movie plays out, uh, right after that, it's, it's only a one. It's a, it's a very short, small issue. Uh, it's a one-shot called uh, Civil War Testament. Um, and I won't go into details in case you haven't read it. Uh, I have But it is... Um, it is my favorite one-shot comic ever. So, uh, yeah, Civil War, I think, would be a great one for next week or the week after. You know, again, as long as we're out before the movie comes out. Yeah, no, uh, sure. And then, yeah, Civil War Testament, it's it's just absolutely fantastic. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. It's some of the best art I've ever seen in a comic, and it's, it's highly recommended. Awesome. That sounds great. All right. We will talk to you guys next week, then. Yep. Thank you much, man. And that'll about do it for this week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Earlier in this episode, you probably heard me talking about something called Art in the Time of Reproduction. That was a faux pas on my behalf. It's actually Art in the Age of Reproduction, if you do go hunting down the infamously good root. Next week, just in time for the release of the new Captain America movie, we'll be discussing the 2007 series Marvel Civil War. Once again, if you like what you hear, you can find us all over the interwebs. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course our website, funnybooksandfodderwire.com. And until then, be sure to support your local comic shop, and don't forget to tip your bartender.